Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Beach and Creative Control. I have for many years, I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Beach's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years, they're good friends, uh, but the truth is he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up-and-coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with Uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, as though he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason, I think you should throw Vish, like what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Andre Eche and Sandro Perry are both uniquely talented musicians who call Ontario, Canada home. Initially known for his role in the Deadly Snakes, Eche is an accomplished visual artist, multi-instrumentalist, and songwriter who has released wondrous solo albums on labels like Paperbag, Blue Fog, and Telephone Explosion. 
Perry is an engineer, producer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist who once operated under the name Polmo Polpo and continues to make music in the collaborative project Offworld, but is likely best known for the solo albums he has released under his own name with Constellation Records. Via Telephone Explosion, Etier has released a trilogy of collaborative records with Perry in recent years, including Further Up Island, which came out in July 2021. Shortly after its release, Andre and Sandro returned to this show for a spirited conversation about how much cows love hearing the melodica. Borrowing or renting Robert Altman films and Tom Waits CDs from the local library or your local CD rental outlet, the movie Return of the Jedi and the recording engineer Mark Howard, who captured key albums by the Tragically Hip and Bob Dylan, how Andre and Sandro first met and began making music for the CBC, music interview gimmickry, Will Oldham, and why we talk about music. Working in threes and the highs and lows of having a web presence, the album Further Up Island, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff will happily help you secure special orders for hard-to-find titles, which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is the 641st episode of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Andre Etier and Sandro Perry, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hello, Andre, Sandro, are you there? Yep. Hi, Vish. Hi, Vish. Hi, Andre. Hi, Hi. Sandro. Nice Hi. to nice nice to hear uh, your yep. voices. So, uh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a very chaotic hello, uh, Sandro. Just just settle down, Sandro. I'll, good, I'll get I'm to good. you in a I'll get to you in a moment. It's nice to hear from you, uh, Andre. Uh, where in the world are you today? Today I'm in sunny Toronto, Canada, Ontario. Oh. Lovely. It sounds lovely just by that description. Sunny. That's nice. You like the sun. That's good. It's sunny today, and it's a nice temperature. It's kind of cool today. It's like 18 and oh. sunny. Oh, it's like a spring day as opposed yeah. to a summer, July, summer. Has, is Toronto doing okay from your perspective? Are you going out into the world and stuff? Toronto f- feels like it's doing okay. I know that we still have to be diligent, mm-hmm. but... It's feeling good. I hope that we don't slide back into trouble. But yeah, things are things. People seem happy. They're out in the world. That's good. That's about the best you can hope for these days. I would say. I would say for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, it's nice to have you back on the show, and also back on the show, your partner in crime, so to speak, Sandro. How are you? Hey, Vish. I'm doing really good today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good, good. Where, where, where in the world are you? I am in 
I'm actually just outside of a little town called Demrestville, and it's also in Ontario, Canada. Oh. About two and a half hours away from Toronto, where oh, Andre what is. Oh, uh, okay, what brings you to Demrestville? Mm. By the way, I've, I'm from Ontario, as you both know. I've lived, I lived there almost my entire life. I don't believe I've ever heard tell of <laughs> Demrestville. Where is that? It's tiny. Yeah, I've never heard of it. It's tiny. It, it's about, where is it? What's it close to? The closest major city is Kingston, I guess. Oh, is it not considered the county? It, it is. It is. Yeah, it is. It's part of the county, Prince Edward County. The the county of the Prince Edward. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> so. <laughs> so it's one of. Why did you? Why did you? Looking why, on a map? why did you Yoda that? I don't understand why you did that. <laughs> What's that? The county then Prince Edward County. I don't know. In Toronto, people refer to that area county yes that's right prince edward yeah. county yeah. for those listeners from around the world prince edward county is a region uh, near kingston ontario and it has become kind of a buzz a buzzy place it's like the yeah. uh park slope of uh, ontario or something you know of rural ontario yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone's like are you going up to prince I'm, I'm going to prince edward county is like a common refrain now for a music yeah, festival in toronto, in toronto in particular yeah. yeah so it's become this I'm getting away from everything by going to Prince Edward County. But what brings you to uh, Prince Edward County, Sandra? We're we we're getting away from everything. <laughs> Do you are you living there these days? Uh, we are, yeah, I, I actually moved out here nine, nine months ago, ten months ago, eight months ago, I think. Oh. Eight, somewhere between eight to nine months ago. Yeah, it's a long story. It's it's for another podcast episode, I think. No, no, no. But this is what do you what do you mean on my show? This is this the is one. The one. <laughs> he said these aren't a dime a dozen. You can't just come in here to yeah. tell me where you you re- We don't have relocation episodes, by the way. We just oh, we talk, really? we talk oh, when on. we talk. Why you you were? I gather. I know the last time you were on the show, or the last time we conversed, I think you were like, "What the hell?" Like your studio space in Toronto was kind of taken away yeah. from you. Comes up on the yeah. show many times that the real estate market in Ontario, in Southern Ontario in particular, is volatile is the wrong word. It's just prohibitive. It, uh, it's bananas. Yes. Yeah. It's so uh, does yeah. that contribute to your decision to leave the GTA, the greater Toronto yeah, area? Yeah, yeah. I would say it's a pretty, it's a pretty complicated decision. But yeah, that's that's definitely part of it. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, needless to say, it's a beautiful place, and um, we got really lucky. So we, you know, we had to move basically. So we landed out here, and it's it is lovely. You should both visit sometime. I'm going to. You should say what is outside of your isn't your studio surrounded by cows? There's some cows. Or are there cows in a neighboring field? You're not surrounded. Yeah, I a, wish. We, I wish there were more so as to make it a surrounding but yeah there's some there's some cows in the field beside us so they visit us once in a while i see and they really mm-hmm. they love music they love they love the melodica actually which is amazing they they're good listeners cows there's, it's, there's it's been a incredible. few there's been a few viral videos in the last few years of cows appreciating music yeah, yeah really they, I didn't yeah, know there's that. been like videos of like people playing uh, flute and I think violin maybe like just sort of you know older instrumentation. Not it's not like Metallica 
is playing and then a bunch of cows show no. up. It's 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 like yeah. children or people just like playing music by like a barbed wire fence and all the cows kind of turn their head to be like, "Hey, what I know that song." And then they all they all <laughs> kind of herd over to be closer to the music. So I think I think what Sandra's describing is I I'm sure it was at least a, a little bit facetious, but I think it's true. I think they do like the music. Is that the music? Oh, I believe they, they I believe they call it music, uh, right? Is that right? The, they call it music. <laughs> they yeah. call it music. Yeah, <laughs> among uh, among themselves, yeah, among no, the not, among the cow community, it is known as music. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, yeah. I'm just. Uh, this is the thread we're on. Thank it's you very much. Joke. It's a good one. Uh, I'm here all yeah. night. It's cause, it's because they say moo a lot. It's because oh, they're going to explain every joke. Is that what we're doing today? I like. I, I also like that Andre was like, "You're surrounded by cows." Although, as as though someone like the authorities needed to be called, and yet you you took us in a no, no, it's fine. They're just yeah. hanging out. They like the music, the music. No, that's that. Yeah. But when I from a, like a tr- city person's perspective, like just one cow would be surrounded by cows. That's, yeah, it's true. They're quite large. Yeah, no, I, I it, it, yeah. absolutely. Do you know what we have here uh, in my neighborhood frequently? Coyote. Just coyotes just oh, wandering yeah. down really? the street. And that's new for me here in Edmonton. I didn't know that's what I was. And uh, but and, and some people are like, yeah, it's not a big deal. And other people are like, it's a really big deal. So I don't know. Right now it is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's because they're getting hungry. You're overrun by road by road that's runners, right, and that's they right. have to release coyotes. Tried to explain that to Chad Van Galen from Calgary when he was on the show this year, saying he was like, "Oh, these majestic creatures, the coyote. Oh, you see them in the ravine, and it's beautiful." I'm like, "They don't seem that bright to me." Every all are. Have you seen those? <laughs> you know, documentary films where they're like they 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 get all that stuff from the Acme Company, and it never works out for them, and he. That's exactly yeah. They're, they're murder- murderous, they're, but they're <laughs> failures. They're failures as a species. That's oh. where I was coming from. They never actually yeah. get the thing That's, they're chasing. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, it's amazing that any of them survive because <laughs> they can't catch their quarry. And do you, and have you guys ever tried to lift an anvil? I you know how heavy those I, things they are? are. They seem heavy based on the again the documented footage I've seen, it, and and yeah. all the explosives. They look heavy, but I've never lifted one myself, so yes, I can't. Yes, I should have answered your question. I, I didn't. I have not lifted an anvil myself. That's true. Okay, well, that, you guys got to try it sometime. I mean, the fact that the coyotes can lift that is impressive. Yeah. You know, um, you know when you know what music you, know. you should blast out of the speakers for the cows. Uh, something by Anvil that might be good. You remember that band Anvil? <laughs> I do. I wonder yeah, if they'd like that. I do. That's a great, great Ama- movie. Amazing. Movie. Oh yeah, the film. That's right. There was the. That's right. There you go. Anyway, this is it's, it's, good. it's good. So uh, you're not on a farm, though, Sandro. Normally, if there's cows in your neighborhood, uh, you you live on an acreage, a, a farm of some sort. Uh, so you're no, you're not yeah a, no not on a farm, but close close by there are some farms, and um, the the cows just kind of hang out in the field beside us. Okay, they graze. Yeah, they graze, um, and then they come over once in a while and say hello hmm. in their way, which is nonverbal. <laughs> and uh, and they, but they listen. Like I was saying before, they're really good listeners. They're re- they're good. They're so good that they can tell when I'm not focusing on the music when I'm kind of losing my uh, concentration, and they get bored. They turn away. It's a, it's quite. Uh, they're good. They keep me in line. In a sense, Sandro is 
are you writing a lot of music on melodica these days? Is that your chosen instrument right now? Melodica, no. It's purely for the cows, actually. I don't, okay. I, I, I'm not very good at it. I can only play, you know, C, stuff in C major right. or mm. F sharp, all the black keys. We have a melodica, yes, we have a melodica in the house now. The children got one. And uh, it's amazing. They're, it's they're like, cool. Instruments. Yeah, my daughter. Yeah. My daughter. It's all, my daughter's it's all taken over to it. Andre's record. Oh, it's a, that's right. It's all over this record too. Yeah. So I, Andre, I gather, Sandra, I, was, I gather from what you were saying earlier in this discussion, like Andre, you haven't been. You've heard tell of the cows and the melodica, mm-hmm. but you haven't yet been out there. Is that right? No. Well, we haven't been traveling that well, much. Yes. We haven't been leaving the city yet. I just want to. <laughs> I, I just uh, want to propose something to to both of you, and it's not marriage. Just relax. Uh, here's what I want to propose. <laughs> mm-hmm. What if Andre? When things feel safe enough to do so, Andre, what if you went out there and you got like a little film crew together <laughs> and the two of you, because you collaborate, what if you just set up by like a barbed wire fence and started playing like your album in sequence live and then gradually mm. just picture I, I want us all to picture this. I'm framing it in my mind. It's like a one. It's I'm a, already. It's a one it. shot. Mm-hmm. It's just a one shot of you two in frame with cows off in the distance and you start to play your record together. Right. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. the cows come into like closer and closer. They come into the frame, and they they come to, to, to like enjoy it. the music. Don't say any more because you'll give away the okay. ending. But because we will, we will. <laughs> this do feels that. like a viral <laughs> video. Like you could, you would, go, you would be the hugest video in the cow community and beyond. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think you should. What do you, uh, Sandra Andre is in? What do you make of my idea? I, I would do it. I'm in. I'm down. Okay. Sounds good. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd like I, to do that. I. I would love it if we could start with a very, very long one shot of us walking out of the house and into the yard, setting up the instruments. All one shot, though, no editing. Like Scorsese. Um, like Scorsese. Or the beginning <laughs> of, um, what's the Altman film with uh, Tim Robbins in it? The, the player. player. Oh, yeah, the player. The player. Yeah. Oh, my God. That first shot is amazing. I haven't... Well, I don't know I haven't, I know the movie, but I don't. Yeah, I can't think of it. I I, I would it. Uh, rent movies like that from the Cambridge Public Library frequently. Uh, rent, not rent. I would borrow all of my movie. My earliest movie uh, experiences beyond you know going. I remember. I think the first movie I ever saw in the theater with my when my dad took me. I think was Return Return of the Jedi. I almost said the name wrong. That's what it's called, right? Return of the Jedi. Is that what it's called? Return it's not Return Jedi. to the Jedi. I, so. I don't know why I thought it for a second. Or Return with, return the, with Jedi. the Jedi. <laughs> Re- retur- return for the return Jedi. Return all your Jedis, please, I believe is the name of that movie. <laughs> return return of the Jedi. <laughs> that's, yep, that's, that's, that's it. it. So I saw that, but then, and then the first movie we ever rented, my dad bought a VCR. The first movie we ever rented was Raiders of the Lost Ark. So he was a big Harrison Ford guy, I think, in retrospect. Mm-hmm. And anyway, yeah, Spielberg Lucas, yeah, Spielberg Lucas guy. So anyway, I but frequently throughout my childhood and teenage years, like I would rent every uh, Alfred Hitchcock movie from the rent. I keep saying rent. I would borrow movies from the library. So all Hitchcock and you know film noir and mm. uh woody allen i know he's not you're not supposed to say his name even these days or whatever but i yeah but you can't retroactively mm. not have borrowed no i borrowed them all it says something about me as a child i thought those movies were funny i, I every one of them i saw every one that they had and anyway did yeah. you guys did you, sandra did you ever go to the library was the library important to you i did it was a it was a big deal for taking out cds yes 
uh, not oh. I was going to say rent, rent, but not renting, borrowing CDs. And um, I, I rented and, a CD once that was not from a library. You rented a, I can tell you about that, that later. that Blockbuster Video? So, no, Suspect oh, yeah. Video in Toronto? Yes, yeah, on, you do. On Queen oh, there? Yeah. World famous. Yeah, well, it was. It used to be in Mervish oh, Village, right. which is where, where Honest Ed's was. There was back when I was, you know, like, 13 12 and 13 it was there and it stayed there for a long time but i remember they rented cds and i i rented a tom Waits cd when i was little nice how little are we talking nice. which one what was it so i must have been like 14 maybe because i rented bone machine oh, i i took that's the first that's weird the first awesome. time i ever heard bone machine i took it out of the cambridge public library i didn't take it i borrowed it and uh, that's the first time I ever heard that as well. Also, the first time I heard American Recordings by Johnny Cash, uh, the first one. Uh, so, oh, yeah? Yeah. I, so, weird. Isn't that weird? The the library. I Sorry. Maybe it's not weird. Bone machine. It just seems like a weird rental. <laughs> Crazy. I'm, or borrowed. Why did I? Why did I? I had to buy mine. What's well, going you had on? to go to the library. Well, I eventually did buy I, it. I think, I, think I, I heard about Bone Machine because of the video that was circulating on Munch Music for... Uh, what's that song called? I don't want to grow up. No, it wasn't that. He made a video for I don't want to. No, no, it was the other one. The it was the single. Uh, going out west. Oh, going out west. Uh, oh, going out west. Which, yeah, which, yeah. which? There's still a YouTube video. Of, yeah, and there's and that's what you did. I did. Went <laughs> it was a yeah. seminal work, as the critics say. That's right. It got me out of out of that's the. That's cool song. Also, that's cool. I, I, I was just going to say, okay. if you find it, if you want. You can see Tom Waits on the Arsenio Hall show playing that song. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. That's kind of the only Tom Waits record that I now think about. <laughs> listening that was to a, it. a big cry. <laughs> I would listen to that record again. It's good. Because it sounds insane. It's an insane record. Yes. Like, it sounds Less like it's Claypool. recorded in a, literally a garage. Like, that the walls were made out of, at least one <laughs> wall was made out of metal. Yeah. The sound of it. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of what he was going for, right? Like junk shop owner turned musician thing. And, you know, yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. Sandra, do, do you know that? You said you had to, you did, did you buy that record? What, what, what was your Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I bought the cassette, I believe. And I oh, think I, I bought it because Les Claypool was on it. That's correct. The end, I think. That's I, right. Yeah. yeah, he is. He plays bass yeah. on a few songs. And mm. Keith Richards is mm. also on that record. Amazing. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's a great song. I think it's a great song. It's been a long time. <laughs> that I remember at the time, like when you're 14 years old, you think that that is like, oh, that's the most soulful song ever <laughs> recorded. But I wonder now if we just said. I I hear there there songs. there is a little bit of as we get older. I I hear it in your voice, Andre, and someone like Tom Waits really personifies this. The thing we liked, we now mistrust a little. I think. Um, there's a little bit more no oh, knowledge right. about a, uh, cultural appropriation or copying, you know, uh, right. because I don't know about you guys. I, I had vaguely heard of Captain Beefheart, for example, but right. I right. didn't really delve into, you know, those records. So yeah. I heard he seems to be doing a, everything that seemed so interesting about Tom Waits is has a lot to do with. Uh, Captain Beefheart and Captain v Beefheart's what what's who's he doing an impression of like Howlin' Wolf yes. I guess and then mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. so but that's not to say I'm not actually I should stop right there <laughs> I like Tom Waits I think Tom Waits is a really good 
and talented songwriter and those are emotional songs like on bone machine there's that one like a little rain i think it's oh, called man. it's all beautiful. those songs are in my he's a good i would say they're they're a part uh, of me and there's songs on uh, mule variations as well that are deeply a part of me so and that song with keith richards that feel i believe is what it's called uh yeah, it's gorgeous. It's I'm sure gorgeous. it's gorgeous. And so now after this, I'm going to play Bone Machine uh, later because <laughs> yeah. I, I I think that's great. Does that, uh, Sandro, uh, Andre was talking about uh, the sound of the thing uh, and you, you bought it on cassette. You are a, 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 you're an engineer. You're a producer. Uh, did that have an impact on you? Did that shift you in any way in terms of, not, not that particular record maybe, but that era, like of just getting tapes, getting records, do you think that's informed what you do now? Oh yeah, big time. You know, I think I probably um, had a couple of Tom Waits records and, uh, you know, in some way, everything you hear informs your your uh, thinking about things and your decisions and your, your ideas about what, what's good and what's not good or what you like and what you don't like. That one in particular... Yeah, you know, because it was creative. It was a sort of a creative use of the studio, I think. And it and it made you wonder, like Andre said, is one wall made of metal? Or is this, <laughs> is this, was this record, like sometimes it sounds like it's recorded in a tin can or in a swimming pool, or, you know, and all of these yeah. things. Yeah, definitely the idea of creating a space, you know, that the music lives in. Uh, that's definitely inspiring for sure. Yeah. It was for me, for sure. When I heard that for the first time, I think it had had an influence on me. That and and a lot of 90s records that looked for a sound for the songs to exist in rather than just the best quality sound that you could achieve. Totally. And so like, it seemed much more like of an artistic decision to create a world, you know, and I, I like that a lot. I always liked, uh, I like, yeah, absolutely. I like that in, in yeah. record. I was just going to say, sorry, it removes what is kind of an artificial pressure. I think to have the objectively highest quality sounding recording, you yeah. know, it opens up the space to a much more creative approach to, to sound. And that did, I mean, that was happening before the 90s, but maybe uh, because of our age, our ages, that's kind of when we experienced it in the, in the most direct way, is with music. Mm. Well, era. also in that era, I would say, uh, now that I'm a parent, I'm, I, I know that I'm way more uptight about such things because of my children. But, there, uh, but if I think back on that period, I was really drawn to any form of danger, and I like in culture. So uh, just so you know, like I was obsessed with like true crime. Like I know it's a big cottage industry. Not as not a cottage industry. That's a big <laughs> thing. Like I'm not bragging, but like I knew as a teenager, I knew every possible thing about the Manson family that, you know, I, I was just Whoa. really drawn to dark and and disturbing stuff. And so when we think about a record like Bone Machine other records that I'm sure we both share affinities with from that era, the mm. noise, the noise mm. that was part of the ambient recording, if you will, or the ambiance of the recording, mm-hmm. seemed dangerous. It seemed counter to what you're talking about, Andre and Sandra, I think, is the artifice, the pretense of 
packaging things and the mediation. Whereas, you know, I know now that Bone Machine and records like it were made with an intention. But to your points, they sounded like they didn't care what the end result was. They sounded like almost found sound field recordings, like Mm -hmm. something Alan Lomax might have found or, or, or captured. And that that right. appealed to me, Which, like that 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 notion yeah, that it w- and it do, it does. And then as you grow out of it, like as you get a bit older and you realize it's intentional, then I think that's why there was a bit of a backlash against uh, Tom Waits. Maybe is that everyone's then felt betrayed, but they had it was he never lied to anyone about his intentions. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? I think um, so. But yeah. it's funny, yeah. Like you're right, but like so. Let's say like a, mo- a movie like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like the original. Yeah. A part of what's frightening about that movie is the way it looks, the way it's kept, like the quality of the film, which, which I don't mm-hmm. think was intentionally was required. Like they didn't have a large budget, but like to make that same movie work again, it has to, like every time they update it with like a better quality of film, it loses what actually makes it bizarre and and frightening i i think yeah that, yeah that it's it's not all crystal clear you have to sort yeah. of look into the into the screen to see some details and there's murk yeah. and there's yeah and it's funny you, know, you were so mentioning it, it gets your yeah. imagination going so that that's that's interesting that reminds me of something too is like uh you were mentioning the return of the jedi yes. which is a high quality <laughs> film or whatever but i think there has to be a, there can be murk even in the content it's not only the like where you're not sure what the meaning of something is. So like in Star Wars, I think the reason why Star Wars is sort of is so beloved is that it's not a really well worked out story where A leads to B leads to C, oh, you yeah, know, like, yeah. well, if it, if Leia is his sister, why did they kiss in the first one? And then, then fans of it have to work really hard to, to engage with it because it doesn't make any yeah. sense for many yeah. reasons. And then, then you love it. Like you love it because mm. you you have to bring something to it. So I, I think that's true in some music where you're like, I don't know if like is this guy stupid? You know, like if the lyricist is <laughs> it's like an untrustworthy narrator, or does this guy really mean this? Yeah. Or that seems you know. And then you have to work to figure it out, uh, and then you and then you can fall in love with it. It's why so many people like, let's say objectively bad Bob Dylan records or something like that, you know, or things that were not well received at first is that they had to work hard to like it. Well, it's funny you bring up, it's funny you bring up Dylan because when I think of Bone Machine and its resonance at the time, so this is 94, did that record come out? No, it must have been, was it? Or was it earlier than that? I mean, it was something. I I was going to say even 91. Yeah, it might be be 92. I'm sorry, I don't know off the top of my head. I usually know these things, but I think it's something like that. But when I think about the next record then that Dylan made, which was Time Out of Mind. That's a beautiful record. Well, that's my, I, yeah. that's my favorite. I think that and Love and Theft are my favorite records, probably. And, mm. and the Merc, the ambiance of that record, I think you can trace. And, and also, let me also say this. The Tragically Hip made that album Day for Night in 94. There is murkiness. I don't you don't, I don't you know, don't know that, that one because I, mm. I, I is that the one with the blue cover? Is yeah, and they they, no, no. they 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 that was there's something going on in that era where people like that who normally made fairly pristine recordings, uh fidelity wise, mm. whatever, decided to mm. fuck up the sound of the snare drum. Fuck like like let's not like let's do a really tight 
fucked up sounding stuff like the same sort of yeah. band and the same sort of artist like dylan's done all sorts of things obviously so i'm not it's funny when i i was really into time out of mind i loved that was the first dylan record that came out you know while i was a same, same here fan. Yeah, same here and then i didn't like uh love and theft as much when that came out because it felt too bright and too clean and too like it oh. didn't feel like the previous well, record. He, it's he know, de- nothing yeah. against the songwriting that is amazing. He song. deliberately and I now yeah, love it. He but. deliberately said that at the time that he, you know, there's a book by the engineer whose name I'm a little rusty with names today because I didn't sleep well. I'll tell you that. You know, how your brain does that sometimes. You wake up and you're like, I can't remember oh, yeah. how to speak the English language, even though I've been speaking it my whole life. <laughs> I've lost my vocabulary. But I believe the engineer on on oddly enough, the engineer on Day for Night. And Time Out of Mind is the same guy, Mark Howard. Ah, Mark yeah. Howard. Mark Howard is a, a goddamn genius, and he wrote a book. I interviewed him for a, a thing, uh, like a library uh, in Kitchener had this like speaker series. And I, I will just say this to you, too. I thought I was going to get the recording and be able to share uh, the recording of that talk and share it on the show, and they said that they would do that. But then they were like, well, maybe we should keep it. We'll use it for something. Is that okay? I was like, I guess. Fine, whatever. But anyway... He was Daniel Anwa's right-hand man. And in his book, which he wrote, I will say, on his behalf, he wrote a book when he discovered he was terminally ill. And he thought he should just get his... And he's had this incredible career. He worked with Neil Young on Lenoy's, like a lot of the Lanwell records he worked with. But they had a bit of a falling out. And in his... By the way, Mark is fine now. He's okay. But he wrote this like mm-hmm. "Burn All My Bridges" book, and he really went after Lanois. It's a you guys should find this book. It's out on uh, ECW Press, and I, again, I don't have the title in front of me, but it's fantastic. It, sure. It's absolutely great. fantastic. I've read it a few times. But he goes after Lanois because he he basically says I did everything. Dylan did not like Lanois. because Lanois would have these temper Uh-oh. tantrums. He smashed a guitar during Time Out of Mind. Dismissed. This is all according. This is all allegedly according to Mark Howard. He smashed a. Yeah, he had like he dented a a monitor because he didn't like this blues rock that Dylan was making with Time Out of Mind. Mm. And there's a sequence in the book where things get so frosty a couple weeks in, like Lanwa stopped showing up as much. And Howard, Mark Howard did everything. And Lanwa showed up one day and he said something. And Dylan turned to Mark Howard and said, Do you hear someone talking? Oh. <laughs> that's how frosty it was anyway he made a point of saying when he made Love and Theft that he didn't want to he wanted to get away from Lanois swampy sound there's some I know they get along now because every time I've spoken with Lanois he's like yeah he he played me his new record and I'm like okay I I don't know what's going on there but whatever so they he prefaced it by saying do you want to hear something <laughs> sorry <laughs> flipped it Bad that's joke. right I get the joke because I said the other joke and then yeah the other line and you're right. anyway my point is like yes I, I hear what you're saying it seemed a little I just think I wrote yeah, my master that was my reaction in the time yeah. I like in the I liked the sound of that record I do too and I felt like I, I was it was exciting for me like it was exciting to hear a record that swampy. So I think Lanois was perhaps making some good artistic choices, but I think that as you can see now from the rest of Dylan's career is he doesn't really want to work with the producer anymore. He wants, he knows what he wants and he he can get what he he wants wants to work with a good engineer and uh, take care of everything himself. I think Mm 
Yeah, I don't. I I I think it was a time and place thing with that particular sound and that record. And then I wrote my master's thesis on love and theft. So I in for my English wow. degree. So it, and I just think it's a lyrically rich historical record. Like it's bizarre how many passages are from quotes historical figures or you know quoting historical figures. Yeah, because it's, it's one is it's his first uh, box record from the box, isn't it? His box of doesn't he now? He doesn't write songs anymore. He he has a box of quotes and lyrics that have come to him just one line and he puts them all in a box and when it's time to write a song he like pulls out pages from that box and puts oh, it wow. together which i think it which i think is is a great way of doing yeah. it i think it's I've great not, it's I, worked out as well. an ardent fan i've not heard this box theory before where's that from amazing oh I made it up. No, I didn't. I, I think it's, uh, I think, I don't know. I heard it. I heard it. Okay. You heard it. Well, <laughs> on another podcast. All I'm, all sure. I'm saying is, uh, I guess what my through line was, is that I watched a lot of Robert Altman movies from the Cambridge public library. I took out bone machine by Tom Waits. And whenever it came out, I think as soon as it came out, I got it from the library. And then I ended up owning it on a couple of different formats, but something about that record at that era when alternative music or whatever was on the rise too. I think it did shift other people's approaches. And there are probably other records I'm forgetting. And I do think, like I mentioned, Mark Mm -hmm. Howard is a common denominator in two of the most... For two two artists, I think he altered them. It's like a major label... I think he altered them. Not major label, or like big money bands, bands that have a budget. A version of low Yes, trying to sound like they don't have the the budget. That's right. Well, I don't think they were trying to sound like they. I think they were trying to make an artistic statement, but the in the something was in the air, and there was lo-fi as well. And then there was this suddenly just like new ways of hearing records. Yeah, yeah. not maybe not new or but just a maybe a reinterest in, you know, like because we had come out of the eighties of like very high fidelity records and then everyone was like well maybe they don't feel like a 1950s record or even a 1960s record is it because like is it too is it too high fidelity like are there ways that we can use high fidelity to create a artistic statement and then then i think there was also like in the indie rock there was just necessity or garage rock like just lo-fi they there was only two mics and it was recorded on a four track or, you know, okay, let me, let me put, then there's like the necessity yeah, no, version. I get what you're saying. And I'm going to put this to Sandra first, Sandra, we're talking about artists mm. that are making sort of atmospheric sounding records. Let's suggest then that those records feel like in, they, they have a baked in warmth to them. Do you think any of what Andre and I, and you, I guess, You've been kind of quiet, Sandra. Uh, do you feel like anything that we're discussing? <laughs> it's this, 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 this the, the uh, most Sandra spoken. The, the three. Yeah, that's true. All I was gonna. That's all true, I was gonna. Andy. The three-way Zoom is tough because it's it's like everything gets cut off, and then you don't want to. No, no. I don't want to cut you guys off because I like what you're saying. No, no. And, I was just know. teasing, but all I was getting at there, the rise, Sandra, <laughs> the rise of the compact disc is happening at this exact same time, I would say. Like, it started in the late 80s, uh-huh. but people who yeah. liked records, and, and you know, now we're really at, like, there was such a reaction to the sound, the how pristine a compact disc sounded compared to a record. There's yeah. no warmth to it. It's cold, it's digital. And then these artists like Sand, or that Andre and I are describing decided to make these records that I think 
have this haze to them, this warmth to them that you might get maybe with a mm. vinyl record. What do you think of that? What do you think of what I just said? It's possible. I mean, I think that the backlash um, against digital didn't happen until a little bit later, but it's possible that that was like a pre-backlash. Well, I think artists artists uh, are artists so are if, at the forefront of the backlashes, right? They are the ones who lead the way yeah, in terms of like, this sucks, yeah, yeah. so we're going to do something different. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. could it could have been. I mean, I also think that at that time there was um, there were a lot of tools available to studio, uh, to engineers and producers and musicians to just mess up the sound. And I think the, the appeal of that creative tinkering is so irresistible that um, I think that's what personally I think that's what drove it more was just the excitement of all the tools. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at that time, people were still probably recording to tape. Yeah, or, no, you know, yeah. it could have been some early digital yeah. stuff, but they, you know, there's a good chance there were still tape machines there. And, uh, you know, so that's all that already mucks things up a bit. I think also there was at that time, there was still a strong divide between uh, what was considered mainstream and what was considered an alternative to the mainstream. And, you, you know, defining yourself as not being mainstream was still pretty important. Yeah, time, yeah. Right? So, so some of these bigger money artists might want to, they, they, maybe they wanted to seem cool, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, and just kind of connect with other things going on. Yeah, yeah. I want to say that I appreciate this uh, fruitful discussion about uh, 1994, 1992, and I think it's uh, it's helpful for everyone <laughs> to hear our thoughts on those particular years. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, you know what? It's it, What's crazy, though, Avish, I just have to, and Andre, I just have to say, we're talking about early 90s, but we have not talked yet about Pure Guava, which... Which right. for for Andre and I is a big touchstone. And uh, in making these records, we would often... Did, did Was it often, or was am I just misremembering? I think we spoke about it often, yeah, as things went along, like, my thought or, like, the approach was a little bit, like, what would, what if Ween was serious? <laughs> and, and, or, like, you know, what if they, what if they had, they wrote, you know, serious songs, which they sometimes do, I'm sure, but, like, but those aesthetics filtered through the more yeah. thoughtful singer songwriter energy. Right. Yeah. It would, and, when Ween ran out of Scotch Guard, what would they do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they sober Ween. <laughs> so that's, but that was like, that is, yeah, that's a, has a heavy influence on these records that I've made, that we made together. Sandra, yeah. That, I, so. I want to, I, I do want to get to that. I want to know where this relationship started because uh, and I, I think I want to go to the root of it because, I, and I'll start with Sandro on it. Sandro, when did you first hear tell of Andre uh, as a music, as a musician, as a musical force? Uh, some of us uh, knew him, I think, from the Deadly Snakes first, probably. But I'm, I'm wondering mm. about how you mm-hmm. first, if you can jog your memory a little bit, Sandro. Do you remember first encountering him and his music? And then beyond that, let's get to how you started to become friendly i suppose and work together can you speak to those things yeah yeah i we actually met um i hadn't heard his music before we met um it was through a cbc some sort of collaboration thing that the cbc commissioned uh, that involved having the two of us work together 
on each other's songs, basically playing each other's songs with one another in in a CBC studio. Oh. I think before a live audience, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. There's a somewhere in CBC's archives, you and myself, and then maybe some other musicians who it's been so long ago that I don't remember. That would be like that was two thousand and five. Yeah, that was a, that was. I think that was maybe a second round of things where where uh, it became like a. A uh, broken telephone kind of thing, Ex- mm. exploding telephone, Explo- exploding uh, telephone. Oh, well, telephone they, explosion! They, they that several... was a reference to telephone explosion. I didn't know where that was. Yeah, sir. They broke. Yeah, okay, that's but why it was, it's broken. Several, several <laughs> singers from around all share bits, like slowly put together songs for each other. Somehow, yeah. by someone first line. Then someone has to write a poem based on that first line, and then someone has to add music to it. Yeah. And then it all goes round robin until you get a series of songs, and then we perform the songs at CBC. And then Sandro and I went to perform it in, in, in Ottawa, mm-hmm. I remember. Do you remember that, yeah, Sandro? I do. yeah, yeah. And then both of us agreed on our way home that we would never do anything like that ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Just like that was the end of saying yes to stuff. Like, like I have this funny idea. I'll get all you guys together and then you waste your life. So, I mean, obviously on the one hand, we have this fruitful uh, collaboration that, sounds like a long-term result like way down the line this rekindled something but andre at the time what was it about it that was so unsavory and unpleasant so to speak okay it was not unsavory or particularly unpleasant it's just it a lot of energy going into something that is not i i I have so little time and energy for my own practice let's say that Uh these sort of like these kind of parlor game approaches to art seem cute and they seem interesting maybe even on paper but ultimately it takes a lot of your creative energy and it takes it away from what you would rather be doing and to what end to be so that you're on cbc for 10 minutes like it doesn't i don't know well for those i I just realized in myself that that's i'm just not interested and it makes me less interested in even my own art when i do participate in that stuff so Mm -hmm. i think for those of us in the cultural industry in canada when the cbc comes a calling you tend to say yes because there's money oh yeah they pay you very well yeah Yeah. right and then there's also (laughs) and then there's royalty things like that that's the most you're going to get paid I think as a musician is to be played on the CBC and and then to be commissioned to do something for them. For sure. Right. But yeah. but now what you're saying is you have to measure those considerations with what does this mean to me aesthetically, artistically? Yeah. Do I really really want to be doing this? Like is it ultimately worth the money to be putting myself in these positions? Is that is that a fair right. assessment? I guess so, yeah. And yeah. Yeah, just just that, and I guess maybe perhaps also when you're younger, it just seems fun, and you want to meet other musicians and stuff. But yeah, I guess yeah. as I get older, I just want to protect what I have and and keep close to it rather than blowing it up by by kind of expanding into other places. Maybe I shouldn't be. It's here. A, you know, know, we all kind of have been taught to love that institution and it becomes idealized and like most things that you idealize 
from afar, once you get into them, you realize it's maybe not as great as <laughs> you thought it was going to be. I mean, you're just yeah. bound to be disappointed. But at the same time, like I, I say this as someone who worked there and loved it yeah. and then also felt like, you know, now I'm, I am, uh, con- well, I mean, I'm not there anymore. And so I have, a, a, right. I have reasons but, to feel like, what the hell is going on over there, you know? But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know how Sandra feels about it, but I, I, my position was not a knock against the CBC. It's just more yeah, the yeah. way that people often, well, sometimes will reach out to musicians and they have some idea. And then the idea, like anything that's not naturally coming from the musician's interest in wanting to do it, I feel mm-hmm. like turns the the music into a bit of a, into something else. It's, it's, yeah, it's absolutely. No, I know. Sure. And I mean, it's one of, there's lots of, there seems to be, I don't know, Sandra, if you find this, but there seem to be, uh, there's an impulse by, by some outlets, by some people who make things to figure out ways to engage with musicians without really engaging with their music or their creative impulses. It is one of the reasons I do what I think is a relatively gimmick-free conversational show. There's sometimes I do things like, let's go through every song, and I don't do those as much anymore, like on a Mm. record, which feels like a little bit of an angle, like a hook, but Mm. it's not my... But at the same time, at least I'm engaging with the song. It's not like... Hey, let's have a hamburger and let's see how spicy a uh, hamburger you can eat, <laughs> right. you musician. Like, hey, you musician, yeah. what if we go do like sw- let's do laps at the pool and we'll film yeah. it and then at yeah. the end we'll mention you have a record out at some point. Like that's yeah. the kind of stuff where I feel like there's a disrespect fundamentally for music and music making and and I think some way, but at the same time I think people recognize that musicians are generally at the forefront of cultural change and are cool. And so they want to, they know it's cool to be, you know, with musicians, but they also don't want to deal with their music. Does that make any sense, Sandra, what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it's hard to talk about music itself because it resists being, you know, codified or understood or, or quantified. So, yeah, all, all, I think all of these other things act as ways to orbit you know, kind of orbit the music itself without trying to pin it down. I mean, it becomes a little bit, I I think the thing I was a bit uncomfortable with is, is you turn the process into a performance and, and the process and performance are two completely different things. Right. And for, uh, you know, for anybody doing something, uh, it can feel a little bit invasive, like you're, you're on the spot and now, you know, you have to perform this thing that you would normally just do in a room alone with the, you know, the people you're working with and you wouldn't be thinking about an audience watching it, you know? So it makes it feel a little bit artificial. Yeah. You know, because when you collaborate with someone, you know, it's, it's messy and it's not, it's not, it might be interesting to, you know, to watch as an outsider, but it's not, um, it's not something that those people would consider the same as a performance, as a presentation, you know? So, uh, I think that for me, I felt a little bit like not taken advantage of because obviously it's, uh, you know, you're privileged to, to get asked to do these things, but you do feel like a little bit like a you're you're on display and you have to you know now dance like now do that you know do this thing that that you do and and it, and it should be uh entertaining for us and mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. i think it was entertaining yeah. but but yeah. you know 
I, I should say a couple of things on this, and Andre, I, I want you to chime in on this too. Number one, lest I be a hypocrite, when I was at the CBC, I had a show where I would have breakfast with musicians. You were both mm-hmm. oh, yeah. on episodes of that it. show. Mm-hmm. And, it was and fun. It was a that, good breakfast. Too. Those were fun. I hope those were fun, mm-hmm. and they were. I had a morning show. So I was trying to come up with ways of engaging with musicians, having a nice conversation about their work and their lives. And then something about the meal, because it was a morning show, I thought, let's have breakfast together. There's something mm-hmm. about breaking bread with people that really opens them up. Um, I mean, sure. like you, it's, yeah. it's cat. That's why actually when you were critical of the, the how spicy can you eat yeah. this meatball or whatever, like the, I don't mind that. I mean, that kind of stuff is like it creates, a, if, if it's going to be an interview, it's a way to make the interview interesting yes and it humanizes so I, I people okay. it humanizes people as well and i, I yeah. yeah and if you're gonna do a, a tour of you know interview you know if you're gonna do a series of interviews I, that's what it is at least it's there's an angle to it so it's well it's the, fine. the it's flip good. side of it that I, the only other point i was going to make is as someone who tries to engage with musicians and interviews musicians i sometimes have this conflict of is this distracting people from the record um the 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 product Mm. that they are ostensibly around to talk about like all this chatter about the thing is that because will oldham once said that to me uh when we were uh engaging on i'm sorry i don't know i don't know who's that he's he goes by the name bonnie prince billy or (laughs) bonnie billy or uh you know different palace he's a musician i'm just we both both love him no i know i know you're joking i was following up on the joke i know Uh, andre you you uh uh andre i know that in like 2006 for damian rogers uh cover story for i weekly about will uh you did the uh, cover art uh for that 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 magazine so let me say that i got the joke and I was in. I know who you. I know. You, I know what you know. Is all I'm saying. Let the record right. show. Well, what did he say? What did oh, he say? Uh, oh, what right. He say? What did Will I brought Oden this say? up. I, I brought this up in a conversation with his friend uh, Nathan Salzberg recently. So I'll tell the story briefly again. But Will and I. Sorry, I I actually don't know who that is. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's not it. Nathan is a is a he he's a musician uh, based in oh, Kentucky, cool. okay. and he also has for the last twenty odd years worked for the Alan Lomax uh, archives. Oh, and oh, And he actually appears on the most recent album by The Weather Station as well, I believe. Uh, oh, he, he's okay. friends with, I do know who that he's is. He's friends okay. with Tams. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. Anyway, Sorry, no, 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 it's fine. Anyway, Nathan is friends with Will, and uh, Will and he collaborate on things sometimes. My point was, mm-hmm. I was telling Nathan that um, Will and I, as you guys might know, Will and I have had many conversations over the last 15 years. Um, in fact, uh, briefly... Andre, so that cover story that you were involved in for I uh, was a- around the same yeah. time that I first ever spoke with Will. And uh, were you guys, either of you, at the Rotate This In store that Will did? I was there. I was yeah. there. So I was, yeah. I was there, too. And so this is, I believe. Wow, we were all there. Isn't that weird? That's and, crazy. And we didn't, we didn't know each other probably, right? We didn't. Yeah, no. I think I, Andre, did we, I don't think we met, but I actually remember sort of meeting you outside because jeremy was there and jeremy jeremy jeremy, jeremy strong Je- no jeremy finkelstein, oh, finkelstein. finkelstein. he's our he's our shared he's our shared um friend 
<laughs> he's I, your, I think we might have like your, the friend you share. <laughs> we share him. Who's got him right now? Uh, we, Who, who's my, got Jeremy I, I got right now? I've got him this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So you met. Okay. So you met there. I think we actually. Right, we, but we I'm may have curious actually about what. There. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Just tell tangent. me what Will Oldham Okay, so there's two, there, let me just say, about, I just, sorry, I just, about. I didn't mean to connect this too much, but let me just quickly say this. After that Rotate This show, uh, Will did three interviews at like a local, this is the first time I ever met Will, is all I will say. And he did three interviews that day uh, while he was in Toronto, and they were at like a club or a restaurant or something, down, or rather a, a cafe or a restaurant down the street uh, from Rotate, uh, which was on Queen at the time. And, uh, La Hacienda? No, I don't think... No, I don't. Th- okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, it doesn't so, matter. It, doesn't matter. I don't- it was a place I'd never been before, and mm. I don't think I've been since. But anyway, the guy ahead of me was from German Rolling Stone, <laughs> and he flew in wow. just to talk to Will. And then I can't remember who the other person wow. was. And I was allotted so. 20 minutes at the end. So Will and I, and I, do you know, dutifully, I had my, I was very nervous uh, as I was in those days because I was still new to this, and so I had a sheet of paper with like an introduction because I was double purposing it for my uh, college radio show, the Mishvish Interracial Morning Show, and I was using it as a, the interview for a print piece as well. So I had my questions and an intro and an outro all typed out in very small print, and I had my little mini disc recorder recording. Well, Will and I do an interview for 20 minutes. Then we sit there and talk for like three hours. He just was so lovely, and he liked me. Oh, that's nice. And we it was that same era that we were all connected. I like that your your voice broke when you said he liked me. Well, he liked me. I don't know. Will and I Will's just been a presence in my life ever since then and we connect. We have all these sort of mutual uh, colleagues and friends now. So I I have a real love for him. That's really nice. I have a love yeah, for yeah. him. That so so nice. Will I've never met him. So we've met we've interviewed I've interviewed him many many times uh for radio for this podcast. He's been on two or three times. And for the last record, uh, which I believe is called I Made a Place, uh, his representative reached out, said, Will has specifically asked uh, if he can, if you're up for a chat about this new record for, for Creative Control. I said, yes, absolutely, of course, and I'll double purpose it for a magazine piece for Exclaim or somebody. And they're like, great. And then they doubled back and said, Will has actually informed me that he does not want to do any podcasts. He wants to talk to you, but not for your show. And I was like, oh, well, you know, initially you're a little hurt. And then when I talked to Will for the interview, which was still going to be for a print piece, he said, I asked about it, and he said something, I think, mm-hmm. quite astute. Two things. One, what I said earlier, some days you wake up and you can't find words and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. Your vocabulary is just not there. And to have something documented like this, like an audio conversation, when you, you're not at your best and you don't know why, that's a little, you know, that's something to give you pause. Like, do I really, I'm, what if I'm not in a good space that day and this that's is going out over the right. place? Right. Just like today, like all of us today. Exactly. <laughs> and then the second thing he said was also, <laughs> also, if I give an hour long interview, audio interview with someone and I want them to hear my record, they're spending time potentially listening to this interview instead of listening mm-hmm. to the record. And I was like, that is yeah. very fascinating and it is a conflict I have sometimes because and this goes back I don't know where this goes back to in our conversation but you guys make records together and Mm -hmm. artists do I almost forgot that yes I'm sorry that's a long story Uh, you guys (laughs) everyone makes a record and then we in the journalism world try to break it down 
and there and I think there are artists out there like I'd made I spent three years making a record isn't mm. that enough of my time <laughs> like can't you just listen to the record I don't know yeah I don't know it's I mean I it's, a, it's I lo- a pleasure to be to be asked these yes. things it's it's more just um, I think you know what you're saying is it's a, it's important for people to remember that there's a, a big difference between the experience of listening to the music and committing some time to it yeah. versus the easier kind of more immediate more immediately satisfying experience of hearing hearing a, an interview with someone and getting kind of getting your fix of them or getting your you know <clears throat> getting a read on them who they are what you know how they are and making a decision you know about their music based on that because yeah. it's it it is easier well, I, uh, and I don't but, want to yeah. shortchange my own work. Like I, I I'm telling you, this no. is creeping. Andre, do you have thoughts on this before I go on? And sorry, that was a very long. Was I that just, too long an anecdote? I'm sorry. I, well, it was just I was surprised by his. I did, I thought he was going to say something else. Like it doesn't. See, he doesn't always seem like an artist that it needs to be putting his best foot forward. He doesn't seem to do that in his music like that's sounds mean but like (laughs) he seems to be a bit like warts and all or like or just whatever did happen is what the music is that's my perception of him i I haven't checked in in a while yeah and so it surprises me that he would be concerned about about how he would come off in an interview and then another thing is that i don't see uh podcasts and conversations in any way taking away from someone's time with the actual music. If anything, if I heard an interview with him, it would make me want to listen to his music Mm. more than had I not heard an interview with him. My issue with talking about, like, luckily in this interview, we've never talked about the record at all. But like, but when you talk about your own stuff is that it starts, uh, you start like codifying or solidifying your ideas. You repeat the same thoughts that were never that were never thoughts before you had to create thoughts about your own right. music. It's like right. having to, you know, when you have to write a bio or you have to write, a, you know, like all the stuff that comes with being a musician when you, you know, have to do that. Like I hate doing it because, because I never have had to think about the music other than how I think about it when I'm creating, it, mm-hmm. which I'm very comfortable yeah. with. But to reflect on it and then say what it is, mm-hmm. I find is just like there's it feels terrible to I, so that so having to talk about music is is what's harder for me than than being worried that I'm not in the right place to talk about it or that it will take it take people's interest away from. Actually I do think though. I do think in Will's case, I think he's an in the moment fellow. And I think that's how he felt at that time because he has subsequently done a few things for the Superwolves record that recently came out mm-hmm. that sort of are... But they are fun ways of dealing with self-marketing and choices you can make uh, with social media and and being on people's shows and all those things. Like I do think there's merit in what he's saying, but I also think... That's how he felt at the time. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's also at that time mm-hmm. in particular, this is obviously way before a pandemic. This is a few years ago. Will you, Andre, like I appreciate what you're saying. And I obviously as someone who does and contributes to the uh, culture of consumption by making a show at least once a week, I hope people listen to it. But I also appreciate maybe the subtext of what, again, I'm paraphrasing Will. 
uh, in this context. It's and it's all from my memory, and I hope I'm not mischaracterizing his thoughts or, or ideas on it. But there is also a glut of things. I think is the subtext. I made a record. I'll do some press. But everyone's doing mm-hmm. that every minute of every day now in some capacity, some mm-hmm. sort of promotion, some sort mm-hmm. of some sort of recontextualizing in the immediate aftermath of releasing something yeah. that people mm-hmm. people could process themselves and make up form opinions mm-hmm. and thoughts about. But almost immediately you can read their insights about it and then that might steer mm-hmm. you in a way uh, uh, interpretation wise or mm. mood wise emotionally like if 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 um if you guys were to talk about a song on your new record uh which I know Andre does not want to talk about but the album Further no, Up Island has a song called has a song Further Up Island has a song called Wild Goldfish for example and sure. in, when I hear it it's a very playful song it's an allusion to, there's a lots of allusions to other people's work and I think it's very clever and we could talk about it and you could counter my interpretation of it. We could talk about it right now. And then when people hear us talk about it, they'll hear that song and be like, oh, right. I know what that song's about because the guy told me or I heard him tell someone exactly right. what that song's about. And now yeah. I, there's a little bit of a filter between me and the song from the artist's own words. Whereas, so do yeah. you see? Do you I see agree. That? No, I agree with that. I think that that's that's what I'm saying. Like so, and that even that works in the in the audience's mind. Like what you're describing is true in the mind of the audience, but it's also true in the mind of the artist who's now been forced to make a statement about about their own song. And then now when they sing it, or at least it happens to me now yeah. when I sing it, I'm like, oh, this is the song about. <laughs> the thing, the stuff that I said it was about. Yes. Instead so that, of existing yeah. in a pretty nebulous world where there's multiple meanings and there's the initial meaning of the intent of writing it and then what it actually sounded like when you listen back to it and, and what, you know, so there's like all these multiple floating meanings. And once you yes. hammer them down, even as the singer of the song, you lose, you lose uh, a magic space that you have with your art and uh and it's it's a bit of a shame but it's also fun to talk about it and it also doesn't you know it's not it's only true in the moment and then yeah. it passes you have to you have to learn how to have a relationship with your own statements yeah in a sense like and you again, have to live with what you've said yeah and it can help to get some different perspective on what you're doing too to talk about it even if you don't end up agreeing with what with yourself you know like i listen if i ever listen back to something i've said 99% of the time I don't agree with it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I I can I can as you're speaking totally. Sandra the last couple so Sandra you've been on this iteration of my this show I was going to yeah. say this iteration of my cultural contributions to the world which is a long way of saying this show. This show. Uh you've been on this show a few times and I feel like the last time I did try to dig into some lyrics about the record that was out at the time and I think some of it threw you yeah, and mm. I remember that you being like, "Huh, ah, uh, well, that wasn't my intention." Or, "Your mm. Honor, I object. I object to this line of questioning." Uh, mm. And I, I said, "Overruled," uh, as I recall. Uh, <laughs> no, I, all I'm saying is like it does. I get it. Like you get a direct when you talk to a journalist or someone who spent time with your record, they have a feeling about it and a thought about yeah. it, and it doesn't always mesh with yours. 
And that can be good or bad, as you're saying, I guess. Is that what you're saying? Ostensibly? I think it's... I, uh, go ahead, Sandra. Sorry. I mean, I don't know if it's good or bad. I think it's just... I, it, I mean, what's nice about it is that, uh, you know, I actually get to learn about what somebody else thinks about, yeah. you know, something that I did or was involved in. And that can be just as illuminating for me uh, as it is to hear my own thoughts, you know, post doing of the thing. Um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know, again, it's all just kind of material that, you know, it's dangerous if it dominates your thinking about it, but it can be, it can be useful in just expanding the, the scope of, of your relationship with the thing. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I am agree. still, I agree. I am still <laughs> quite protective. Like, like you're saying, Andre, I feel like I need to, you know, sort of protect that space, but at the same time, it's good to, um, you know, feel some of that discomfort or the rub or whatever, because you do, I do end up learning, you know, something about myself or, or, or about, you know, about you, Vish, like learning yeah, what it yeah. is that, uh, that you think about something that, you know, someone has done and, uh, it can be eye opening, you know, and it tells me something about you too. You yeah, that's, that's fair. That's, I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's totally true. Yeah. That's good. I mean, you know, ultimately, I feel like we make things in for ourselves, but we also, you know, secretly or not so secretly really want to know what other people think as yeah. well yeah. about these things. And that's true. Yeah. That's true of me, too. I, I was just emailing this to someone who was on the show recently who sent me a nice note about the experience and I, I, I wrote this to them, and it's sort of fresh in my mind. I'm happiest when the guest is the hap is, is happy. Uh, whatever mm. anyone else says or thinks about something that we've done together, and maybe I'm over-romanticizing this, but I sometimes like to look at this these conversations I have as little collaborations because I, mm -hmm. I feel like I have invested something as a fan I guess as a journalist, um, it's, I feel sometimes that that word is not appropriate for what I do with this show because it's. I often am talking to people that I love or their work I love, so I feel almost not objective. <laughs> like I've, I ask people to be on the show because I really like what they're doing, so it's hard for me to be over. I don't. I'm not. I'm not coming across like come on the show so I can criticize song eight. Uh, I'm. Mm. I'm more like let's celebrate this thing that you made together. And I'll give you a firsthand account of what someone might think of it, like you say, Sandro. And hopefully that puts them in good stead. Like if they're unhappy with something, a guest, I mean, then I, that's the worst feeling for me. And I'm sure as, a, as both of you in working with others, as producers, as, uh, you know, artists, when you collaborate with others, uh, visual artists, I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, if your colleague isn't happy with something you've done together, Andre, that's got to be... The worst feeling, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yes, probably. That's yeah. It's not a good feeling, and and I think there's there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with talking about stuff as long as like on a, in a podcast sort of situation in a conversation. Artists or like songwriters, I think, are happy to talk about their work as long yeah. as you let them w wiggle out of things that they're not sure about, and <laughs> yes, that's, exactly. that's fine. Yeah, yeah and that's it, fine. And yeah, in collaboration. Yeah, it's a terrible feeling to if you're not jiving with the person you're working with, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. That's why I don't like as a visual artist, I don't like to do 
commissions, like when someone is asking for something because they've already created the image in their mind probably. And then you can't help but disappoint them when you deliver the, what you've actually done. Mm. Yeah. It's like a bad thing. It's a special skill. To deliver what someone wants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's not one that I have any interest in developing as a skill. Well, I I do think the idea of something and actually executing it, there's there's an interesting sort of distance between those things in terms of your mind's eye. Like, yeah, I'm going to, in my case, for example, I'm sure there are people who are like, yes, I want to do an interview. And then when it comes out, they hear their own voice or in your cases... Yeah, or in your cases, you you hear you hear a song in your head, and then you put it down, and then you hear it back at you, and that's when you realize that maybe it wasn't as strong an idea, or that your involvement in it somehow isn't exactly what you wanted. So you go through a refinement process until you get to what you were really chasing uh, in your imagination. Do you ever, do, Sandra? Do you experience that ever? Do you ever record something and then? And it wasn't what you thought it was going to be? Oh, totally. So I, I like the idea, the romantic notion of capturing something, you know, uh, what's it called? Electricity. What's it? What do they say? Capture lightning in a bottle? Is that the uh, term? Yeah. Some people say I love, that. Yeah. yeah. Some people say it. I love that idea, but to me, it's not really the way the creative process works. Like, I think of making records much more like making a painting or making a sculpture or a collage or something where you're, you know, you're throwing things at a surface and then, you know, without really thinking about it too much. And then you're removing things to, to try and, you know, get to the essence of what you're seeing or what you're hearing before you. And, uh, uh, wait, what was the question now? I'm totally confused. Whether or not you, uh, whether or not you if, question something. If you something, ever record yeah. something and then are, are disappointed by the idea when you hear it back. Oh, yeah. I mean, but dis- it sounds like you don't even work in that kind of way at all. No, I mean, disappointment is maybe too strong a word. It's more like, oh, okay, so that's what it actually is. So now let's work with that and, and you know, try and make that thing the best that it can be as opposed to, yeah, it's really dangerous to go, okay, I want to make this song it's a like a van morrison thing or whatever and you mm-hmm. go in and you, and you hear yourself back and you're like oh i don't sound like van morrison uh, <laughs> interesting what, you know, uh interesting how, how interesting make... artist to allude to in this day and age <laughs> <laughs> that what he, is he at the is he not cool these days he, he uh yeah there's some some going on there i really feel like he's putting yeah. us on when i oh, what's his, oh, what's yeah, his latest a, record well, called it's called like van morrison latest latest record project or something oh yeah i, I feel like the whole thing title yeah i think he's trolling yeah. us i really don't i bet he's not an anti-vaxxer i bet he doesn't i think it's just like an old man trying to get attention because if you i thought that if you listen <laughs> to the, any of the record it's like a comedy album have you heard my latest record recording project i can't remember what it's called that's the line of the first yeah. song it's, yeah. he's clearly yeah. anyway sorry it's very similar to those bang record contractual yeah. record blowing yeah. your no- blowing your yeah. nose yeah he's got a good sense it's of great he's cool man he, he, i don't yeah. care he can, a, he can be against he can be against vaccinations we, and masks and lockdown if he wants i mean i don't really i don't agree and i think it's potentially a little dangerous if people really are listening to him but yeah. 
He's still a, he's, his records are absolutely well, but he's also not, yeah. not that he's way. also palling around with Eric, Eric Clapton, who I think we can all agree is not. <laughs> no, that guy I uh, can unequivocally say I do no, not. No, like he's that not likable, and he's always been terrible. But now, yeah, he's all so Clapton anyway. Is dog, sorry, you you. He's dog. <laughs> Clapped in his dog. <laughs> anyway, you wanted to sound like uh, I appreciate what you're saying uh, about Van Morrison. <laughs> and well, it's interesting though, coming from from Sandra as a producer. I like the way your approach, and I and I think I benefited from your approach of listening to what is happening and then building and developing what is happening, yeah. rather than coming into the studio, which is way the way I would imagine most bands are is like we have to be really prepared yes, we have yeah. to be really ready yeah. and so you've written everything in advance and you have all your parts ready and then you're going to go into the studio and then you record it which it is an approach that i can see working and it obviously works for a lot of people and but it also is the logical approach right it would be mm -hmm. it makes it's common sense that that's how you would approach it but if you have already made a decision about what the record is going to sound like before you reach the studio then you'll never hear what you're actually doing it's yeah. kind of like being a parent and deciding what job your child is going to have yeah, yeah. before oh the child is born yeah. right yeah. so you have to you have to also listen to what the child is saying about what they like and what they don't like, obviously. Absolutely. And in fact, you should be deferring, deferring completely to that. Yeah. It's so, a, yeah. It's a missed opportunity to really collaborate or, or deal with the material at hand, you know, as opposed to, you know, we always have our ideas of what we want, but we kind of need to leave that, you know, not silence it, but dim it a little bit when we yeah. go into a process. Yeah. So I further think, further up know. island follows Croak and the Weeds. Are these the only yeah. two records that you two have made together thus far? Three? Are you crazy? I can't remember how many there are. <laughs> it's a trilogy. Oh, it's, it's a oh trilogy. Sandro made the first one too. It's a trilogy. Sorry. I get confused because Andre isn't you talked to me the last time about an older record that you had made that was like the, the trilogy started with with Blue Fog, right? That's what you told the original me. Original trilogy. No. Wait, which one? Uh -oh. That's the. No, no, no. All right. Uh -oh. You want to talk trilogies? I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused. There's a. There's two trilogies. Okay, this has nothing to do no, with the Blue Fog trilogy. Okay, I get it now. Yeah, this one is under Grape Leaves, Croak in the Weeds, and Further right. Up Island. Those are all Those are the, with Sandra. Sandra. Okay, right. Great Sorry. titles, by the way. Yeah. Great Sorry. titles. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but but there was another trilogy that is yet to be completed. Is that right? There is a trilogy that I'm before prior to right. this that I made on the label Blue Fog, right. but only two records came out, and there's a third one that is unfinished. Right. Sorry, I'm sorry. There's a lot going on it, in my life, and I got confused. No, and, and you're you're. I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect anyone to know that. This is, this is what how I think about things so that I can keep them organized. Listen, Andre, if you're going to be some sort of weird Canadian indie rock George Lucas character. You're going to have to get people, yeah. you know, people are going to be... I'm looking like him more and more these days. <laughs> people are going to be confused. Which, is this the prequel? Which tri which trilogy is this exactly? So, okay, so... This is a standalone Standalone trilogy. trilogy. It has nothing to do with the other trilogy. You just like to work in threes. And except you don't always, they don't always come to fruition. Except this is the only trilogy that uh, I've completed <laughs> so, as three. So, no, the, the one before uh, with Blue Fog, it's it's done. It's like it's in the can, as oh, they man. say, but it's unmixed. It's right. unmixed. It's like a, a ten, over 10 years old unmixed record that oh, is man. very good, actually, I think. Got to get it and, on it. 
I may say so myself. Yeah, I want to hear that, and I hope you get it done. Uh, it's it's killer. Michelle McAdory sings on oh, it. She's uh, like, yeah. Wow. Jen Castle's things on it. Well, come yeah. on, man. Let's get this sucker out. I mean, Blue Fog's on a tear right now, pressing vinyl records and, and reissuing things on some level. You should get in on that gravy train, the Blue Fog gravy train. The reissue. Yeah, unreleased <laughs> album reissue. Yeah, well, that would be a bit different. Yeah. Anyway, let's... Okay, I apologize for my confusion, but again, no, when like, someone... Thank you for uh, letting me speak to the Blue Fog. Right? Yes, it was. I, I think it's important to finish that trilogy, if you can, at some point as well, uh, whoever's in charge of that. So this is the conclusion of this trilogy. Uh, does it stand to reason that you would work together again, Andre? Is that your hope at some point? I think immediately. Yeah, we'll just, the fourth record in the trilogy will be. Uh, I, I want to work with Sandra. We don't have we don't have any firm plans right now. To, but uh, I, I'm letting you know, Sandro, and we have spoken about it before. But I, I yeah. want to make more records with Sandro for sure. Sandro, what? Absolutely. Sandro, what? Yeah. What do you think? And I have my feelings on it. But what aesthetically? Beyond your involvement, Andre's obviously involved in making his own records. What aesthetically connects these uh, as a trilogy? So, I don't know, aesthetically, sonically, from what you can tell in terms of what Andre's uh, writing and singing about. Do you have a sense of that? I mean, on, on the on the material level, we used a lot of the same instruments uh, throughout the three. We used uh, Andre's drum machine which I am going to resist trying to remember the model number of, and I think is good if we don't say the model number because we don't want the price to go too high on (laughs) (laughs) Reverb.com. Always Uh, always thinking of everyone else. Thank you, Sandra. That's very nice of you. (laughs) And uh, we used, you know, we used, uh, you know, Andre's uh, nylon string guitar and his, you know, his style of playing, which is very specific to him, his voice, obviously, there's probably only, I think, one or two synthesizers that we used on all three records. And then a very important uh, piece of it was this little, like a, kids kind of keyboard like a you know with a with some samples on it that andre has had i I imagine forever and that is on all three records and that's a big part of the sound so it's that stuff but then it's also maybe even more about our working method which is very very casual and quick we made all of the records very quickly and always in uh short sessions usually two to three hours maximum oh, okay and we did a lot of work like a lot of labor went into the you know um kind of working on the material but we we did it very quickly and so we didn't have time to second guess ourselves too often i don't think it doesn't feel like we did and um we also, I think a big part of it is that uh, our shared love and appreciation for absurdity. Right. I kind of feel like that's part. That's a big part of the spirit of these records is that we both appreciate absurd ideas and doing things that are... <laughs> that would be considered maybe kind of jokey or, or, you know, people might laugh at and say, Oh, okay. Now let's do the real thing. Well, I, I Uh, I texted Andre the first few times I was listening to this record and saying it, it did make me, there are occasions where I just laughed out loud. I LOL'd. 
And you lolled. They are com- they're comedy records. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, imp- you know, that's, that's important. I mean, that's such a hard thing to integrate into songwriting, I find. Yeah. But Andre does it beautifully, and, and it gave me an opportunity to embrace that more as well and to go with it because I love that. I love doing it, and I love it when it's done well. Well, I will say, and, yeah, I, um, yeah, and I'll, I'll say Andre has a tone in his uh, singing voice where you assume something is very earnest. It's just something about your delivery, Andre, where like I'm like, okay, this this guy is very serious, and then you actually home in on what you're saying. You're like, oh, <laughs> this is kind of we've been taken for a little bit of a ride here. This earnest sounding fellow is having a bit of a laugh. And I think that's really, to, to Sandra's point, I'm sorry I interrupted you, Sandra, but to Sandra's point, I mean, that's very, it's just very, f- it's fun. Yeah. It's entertaining. You are an entertainer on some level. Would you agree? Yeah. I think I'm an entertainer. Yeah. But at the, I, it's like I'm aware of my, I think I developed like as a lyricist anyway, that in some direction because of hearing my own voice. And the since then, how my voice <laughs> seems sincere. It's like there's a part of it that is reactionary to it because I know what it sounds like. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wonder, but uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I I am like I, I hope many people very eager to hear what comes next uh, in the trilogy. I, I there's got to be four. A fourth and a fifth album in this trilogy. I well, I, I I think it won't it won't be. It'll be another trilogy. It'll be sorry. If, well, it probably it doesn't need to be a trilogy. I have to break out of that. You know, like the like thinking of records as trilogies. As I was saying to you before, I think the last time we were yeah. speaking, Vish, is it's really just a way to to organize things yeah, in yeah. my mind and yeah. keep myself working with the same tools and to develop them beyond just one record. Right. And it's also a way of telling myself that there will be more records. Yes. Yes. That that not every idea has to be shoehorned into this one statement. It's a, so it, yeah. it's it's good psychologically to think of things as just part of a larger group. It's a, it's but like anyway, a, it's like a prom- it's I, like a promise to yourself that you have yeah, to you will continue. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a way of alleviating some kind of pressure or something. But then uh, I'd like to make at least like what I'd like to work with Sandro again, but I don't think I need to create the the idea of it being a, a new trilogy or anything like that. That would be nice to know that we would work together at least three more times. Well, I get, I get that there's a sonic continuity in terms of like instrumentation chosen uh, and, and whatnot. So, we'd have to, start, to do something totally different. To, maybe totally different. Maybe I think, we, maybe we, I think we it's well we were so <laughs> locked not, in with those no, we were so locked in with those tools that it'd be very easy to do something different by just changing the type. Like, just there's, it'd be very easy to do something yeah. very different. Well, yeah. for those who, and then like, there's 14 songs on the latest album, and I wonder if there's any material that didn't make it. Like the last one, "Croak in the Weeds," I believe had nine songs. So this is, you know, almost double. Mm. Uh, I, I mm. mean, the 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 lengths of the songs and the whatnot are. No, I mean, they're not. No, they're all at least a, a, a two minutes, three minutes. I guess some of them are. Well, there's one song that's a minute. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, they're not. They're substantive in their in their own way. Was there anything that didn't make it in the, into the current trilogy? Is there stuff on the cutting room floor, Andre? I think there's one song cut from further up island. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's the I think there's only one song think, cut. Like, like that we did or that you you wrote but that we didn't do? I wrote it. 
we recorded it and probably wasted a lot of time playing it over and over again. Uh-huh. And then in the end, we were like, hmm, kind of a crappy song, right? And then wow. we left it off the record. Or no, it, was, it was that, no, it was, the song was good. It's just that the lyrical content of the song was mean-spirited and the rest of the record didn't have the same spirit. Oh, and, right, that one. What was and that? we were like, let's just leave it off. And then we left it off and then the record fell together very easily. Right. I totally forgot about that song. It was so mean, what? I forgot about it. What, what, what caused the... <laughs> no, it what, wasn't what, mean, what inspired, was it? Well, what inspired the meanness? Do you remember? Well, it's written in character. Like a lot of the songs on these records are like from the perspective of someone that I don't believe is myself. Right. So like it's, it's a character that I've invented, though I'm sure a lot of it has to do with me. And in this song, this character, it's a song sung to a woman from this man's perspective and he's into her, but it's creepy. It was uh, creepy, okay, and it, okay. it just, yeah, mm-hmm. it just didn't sit well with the rest of the expansiveness of the rest of the record. Or like, because this character's kind of a bit of a dreamer or whatever, and he's floating through the world. Mm. And I didn't like it. I didn't want him to be this kind of person. So it was fine mm-hmm. for him to not have that song. So Sandra, this him, this decision seems like it, it was a, a bit of a surprise to you at this point, or, or that you didn't, you didn't I, remember it. I blocked it out. Yeah, <laughs> so bad. That was a, that was a, that was a dark day. That was a dark day, man. We took a long break after that one. <laughs> no, and you know what? I, it wasn't really that. I think that's why I didn't want it on the record or was unsure of it. And then I think with you, you were like, I think the chord structure was sounded too traditionally in jazz song. Oh, interesting. like it had a. It sounded genre instead right. of. I see. Okay, and you were like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I only broach it to wonder if there, it sounds to me then, if and when you start to work together again, you have to start from scratch. Uh, There's nothing that you're going to revisit from, I mean, maybe Andre, you have things that you were percolating and you wrote them down or whatever, but ostensibly you're going to start from scratch. Uh, with the yeah. the sound and the the lyrics and everything, so that's all. That's all I was kind of getting at. Just curious. Yeah, I don't think there's much in the archives. If that's the the, the bigger question, like yeah. I think we 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 always because we always worked so fast, we always kind of used pretty much everything that we did. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. But it's funny speaking about archives. I don't know. And and sequels and prequels. There is sort of a prequel movie to this series of records that Sandro and I made in that Sandro and I made a soundtrack to a movie and that sound, that soundtrack was rejected, but that soundtrack was really where a lot of our working relationship and our aesthetics that we share when working together were developed. I think. Yes, definitely. We did two films together. One was accepted and it was lovely. And then the other one was not accepted. It was amazing. It was a, di- yeah. a disappointment in a way, but understandable. Oh, the, the, the music, the music was amazing. But the film, the music was amazing. Just so people, I, no, just so people know, the film in question was Fast and Furious Seven, and that's that's their <laughs> loss, frankly, that they didn't accept yeah. that. It was. It would have been less exciting to watch those car chases. <laughs> that no, that's but, uh, that's too bad. Yeah, free. and. And I think the people who made the movie, like they weren't like against it as music. They weren't like this is bad music. It was just like they, I felt. I think they felt it was not 
doing what the scenes needed it to do or whatever. It's interesting. Have you, have you each subsequently seen the movie and the choice, the choice they made uh, for the soundtrack? No, no, I no. never did. Did you say I've never I seen I have it. no interest in seeing I've that movie again. Well, I mean, we saw it while, while we were working yeah, we on saw, it, you know, 20, 30 times. Oh, no, no, no. But I yeah. mean, the end result when they were like, here's the direction yeah. we wanted or we decided yeah. to go in. That's what I meant. Cause then, I'm totally no. curious about it, but I at the same time, I would rather do almost anything with my time. Well, yeah. but, you know I mean? but I mean, on some level, wouldn't you be curious to know where these people were coming from? Just like if I were. Yeah, yeah, I, I am totally. If I could just skim it for 10 minutes, then yes. Mm. But I wouldn't sit down and watch that. Movie. It's like if you get broken up with and you don't know why. And then you see your partner with like a uh, your ex partner with like a new person. You're like, I guess that's what they like. And mm. <laughs> like that's not me. I, yeah. I guess they're just a totally different person than I thought when we first had the discussion about yeah. being together. Anyway, mm. maybe it's well, when also you put it that way. It sounds like a really bad idea. Yeah, it's sort of want more. <laughs> Morbid, morbid curiosity to go back to the project that rejected you. Yes, that's, again, as Sandra said earlier, sometimes people learn about me, and this is what you've learned. I'm a sucker for punishment. I like I like the trauma. Anyway, all right, this is uh, fascinating. We've talked about uh, this project uh, in an Andre, uh, from an Andre perspective. So I trust, Andre, that your next work that we're going to hear will eventually be with Sandro. Unless, I'll just briefly ask you this, are you working on anything else that we should be aware of? Well, I am actually working on a record right now that's not with Sandro. Oh, what? <laughs> you knew that. I'm <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. What? What is, can you, uh, can you say anything about it? Yeah, well, I mean, there's no... It may not come out. I think it will probably, but I'm working with uh, Joseph Shabison. Do you know jo- oh, Jose? I know Joss. Joss, Joss well, he's, he's been on the show, and I'm, I, we've talked about having, coming back, and I just haven't been able to connect yeah. with him yet because he's so, been making some great, great music lately on his own and with people, so that's great. So he and I, yeah, with, and with other musicians. Just a, And it's, you know, I'm pretty into collaboration. Uh, working with Sandro has really opened me up to a lot of collaboration. I'm in, into just nice. working with other people. And so this would not be my record. This is a shared record with other Oh, people. I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's leave it at that because I, I know that uh, you don't want to let too much of the... You don't want to let all the cats out of the bag. Why are there more than one cat? The expression is let the cat out of the bag. Mm. Yes. And as I say it, there's probably a really nefarious reason why the cat is in the bag. Mm. So let's just excise from our yeah. thoughts and hearts that I use that expression. I don't like it. Anyway, but I, <laughs> all I'm saying is I don't think we should spill too many beans. Right. Uh, maybe the beans are in the from bag with the cat. Mm. I don't know. Nefarious the, beans? Nefarious Beans. Yeah, there's your album title right there. Yeah, uh, Sandro, before we before we wrap up, though, Sandro, I do I want to check in with you, too, because as I've said, you've been on, you're a gifted artist in your own right. Are you Thank working you. on music or anything uh, that we should be uh, keeping an eye out for? Uh, there's all, yeah, definitely working on stuff. Nothing, nothing is um, on the horizon as far as being released, but... Yeah, write, writing a lot and playing with the cows, you know, <laughs> playing for, <laughs> right. playing oh, for the cows and, um, you know, always working on records with other people too, helping, helping people out, this and that. Yeah, staying active. In the times when you could perform, and I guess those times may be coming back or mm-hmm. maybe not, who knows, did you guys ever play shows together behind these records, Andre? 
sort of, did we? So um, Sandra and I played some shows together, but we didn't collaborate on, like, I don't think we shared a s- stage on my songs. No. I sang on one of yours. Yeah, I think we did, um, we did, we did a, a short mini tour with Dan, and then uh, you guys came, you, you know, you, we did the, the tune, Everybody's Paris, together, but we never, oh, yeah, but, right, and, but then when you did your set, it was always solo. So we haven't, yeah. yeah, we haven't played your material together, but you have played these records. You've done release shows for these. With yeah, a, with and I played with a band in, in Toronto mm-hmm. that I call Sun, Sunset Pig. Mm-hmm. And we play the songs kind of in a very different, like we put them in a much different context when we play yeah, them. Yeah, I've seen that band play at least once uh, and play, I think, songs from this era i believe yeah, yeah. and yeah uh, most, yeah and sandra you when you say dan were you referring to dan behar destroyer dan behar yeah yeah dan just making behar. sure yeah just trying to keep everyone in the dan bajar. Bajar, dan yes. the beige the beige <laughs> okay he's, he's been on the, he's been on the show a couple times at least he's been on this show yeah four times i think something yeah. like that oh. which is i think love him i think i, I think him. that's unusual for him to do stuff like that is that right does he do many podcasts? Do you know? Sure. I don't know. Can you guys can you check your podcast. I'd like to hear him on a on a podcast He's got, talking I, about I love his, his voice. The sound of his voice is mesmerizing. Yeah, he yeah. was on uh he was one of the first people I interviewed when I moved here. Uh like a via you know remote. Uh so in January twenty twenty we talked, I think, is the last time, January, February. And then uh yeah, he's lovely, and he's been very kind to me. So there's a lot of people who are very kind to me, and I don't understand it. As you can tell, there's no reason. Well, you're a kind person. Well, I try to be, but I mean, they're just very kind to make time for me where they don't always do it, and I, I think that's nice. It's it's uh, it's nice that they feel comfortable talking. Uh, maybe, maybe he gives off the impression that he wouldn't want to do interviews, but the first time that, oh, I guess it wasn't the first time I had met him. I met him. I had toured with him a long time ago and then, but I asked, I did an inter- I interviewed him for a magazine. Oh, it was like, really, it was the only time I've ever really interviewed someone and it was a great interview and he was really open about talking about making his record and yeah. it was when he was working on Kaput. Yeah. Like when, was- when I worked at CBC, we would have a, we did a chart show and we would often try to call the number one artist and sort of surprise them with the news. And, uh, right. but Dan would always refuse that. And, mm-hmm. and that, that gave him a bit of a reputation among some of my colleagues as being aloof or whatever. But then I saw him at Sappy Fest the year he was there in, in Sackville, New Brunswick. And I approached him. I was still, I was at CBC at the time. And I said, Hey, do you, can we just do a quick thing? And he said, Yes. And we did it in the, we were either on the street or in the grass or something. Uh, lying down, mm. and he was great. We talked about what he ate. Oddly enough, we talked about what he ate for breakfast. And uh, I feel yeah. like he went to that really cool cafe that's sort of uh, often on the George Street there, and I can't think of the name of it right now. Oh, the uh, the diner? No, not the diner. There's like a little oh. coffee shop, I think. Oh, and, right. Or, they the, serve, or is the, it a uh, restaurant? I don't remember what it's called. But anyway, he ate yeah, there. St- yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, he was lovely. And then ever since then, Jose, Jose Chabison... <laughs> connected me with Dan ahead of uh, a show he was playing in Guelph. And ever since then, yeah, like to Sandra's point, he's been on three or four times. I don't remember exactly, uh, but um, 
Always very funny and forthcoming. Like you, playful, funny, has a sense of humor. People don't get it sometimes. I didn't get it the first time. I heard it. I, really? Well, a colleague yeah. had to review a record. That's because he doesn't he doesn't explain his jokes like we explain our. No, jokes. I think it's a voice thing. It's a delivery thing. It's a cadence thing. Like like you, Andre. I think like if you're just invested in what you're hearing, you assume the person is being serious. And Dan has that kind of dry delivery, where you assume mm. he's a very self serious person, but in reality, yeah. like if you actually again focus on what he's saying and how he's and what then the more you listen you're like oh my god this is so brilliantly witty beyond being uh heartfelt and sincere when he when he needs to be he's just incredibly funny Mm -hmm. and sardonic and so he he really scratched this anyway we've done a lot of celebrating of other artists i think andre you should be satisfied we've barely talked about this album further up island it's good i think it's fine um, yeah, I feel really satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> what a I'm, I'm sure the label is pleased. Uh, where can people go to learn, Andre? Where can people go to learn more about you and Further Up Island? Let's let's promote the record now that we're almost done. Like record stores, mm-hmm. and I guess uh, the record label, the Telephone Explosion. Yeah. I guess that's where they could hear it, and, or the Bandcamp. I don't know, actually. That's a funny, hard question for me to answer because I don't know. Do you have online destinations that you tend to for yourself? I have one social media, Instagram mm-hmm. account. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they could follow that. It's my name, Andre, D-A-L Etier, David Angus Laroque Etier, Andre Dal Etier. What are you crossing the border here? Why are you giving everyone your whole information? It's fine. It's not an interrogation. You have to say your whole name. Oh, that's right. I'm saying that's the that's the name. It's at it's at that. But anyway, I'm sure they would find it. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I'm trying to be helpful. Follow you on Instagram and and go to Telephone Explosion. Sandro, similar question. Uh, if people were to keep tabs on you, so to speak, anywhere you want to send them. Oh, I got kicked off of Instagram. And did you actually get kicked off? I noticed you weren't there. <clears throat> Yeah, for some reason. I don't know why they thought I was not... I I think it just because I wasn't doing anything on it, so I wasn't using it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, uh, not really. Not a lot of... Uh, there, I mean, there's maybe a bit of stuff on Facebook once in a while, but yeah, no, I'm not really keeping things um, up. The, my website is really out of date, too. But, I tagged you know. I, ta- I tagged the website in a recent episode I did with the artist Cots. Uh, you oh, made yeah, a record yeah. with yeah, Cots, Steph, Steph Yates, yeah. and uh, yeah. so I tagged the website. I didn't delve into how updated it was, but there is a section uh, I think that alludes to uh, people who you know your services as a recording uh, engineer or producer. That's yes. all. Are you taking yeah. clients? Are you, are you, is it just oh, you yeah, and the yeah, cows, yeah. or are you working oh, with people? Oh, yeah. No, no. People can always email me through the website. And, um, you know, there's, yeah, there's band camp for music. and okay. uh, But, yeah, for the production stuff, it's on the, it's on, it's out there. It's floating around somewhere. Okay, cool. Andre, Google. I know you're, uh, Andre. V. Yeah, go ahead. How, how can people contact you? I'd rather they didn't. Uh, and I'll leave it okay. at that. Uh, no, Andre, I, you're you're a keen uh, podcast uh, listener, and I'm starting to. I like podcasts. Yeah, I'm starting. To, do, do, does anyone else do this thing at the end where they give the guest a chance to kind of do a little self promotion? Because I'm starting mm. to wonder if it's too awkward. To you do. know who does that? Mm. You know who the only. It's funny. The guy that does the hot wings things on 
YouTube. Hot ones, yeah. Hot ones. At the end, he's like, okay, and now you can do do your thing. Right. Do like, tell me, what are you promoting? Right. And he does that at the end. But other than that, people don't, I guess they do. Is it bad? I guess, I guess what ask. I'm asking, is this bad that I do it? Or is it good? No, I like to get No, it's good. It's good. Okay. It's, I think it's good. It's good. Okay. I'm a bad case for it because I don't know. I don't have. <laughs> I don't have anything other than I want people to hear the record, listen to it on the streaming services, or buy it from a store. Yeah. Your favorite store, your favorite streaming services. Yeah. I hope you enjoy it. If you really enjoy it, you can contact me through Instagram and tell me. But if you don't like it. You can keep your opinions to yourself. I like that we started we we started this promotion a little sheepishly, and then you went hard sell at the end. You were just totally like you were Don Draper at the end. You were just like, "Here's what you need to do," and I. Well, that's it. Yeah, but I. But that's the problem with the question would be like, well, what? How is that? Those answers going to vary? But I. Well, here's what I'll say about it, and why I do it beyond you know the obvious, like directing people. I think it's usually insightful to hear from any generation of guests what they're using and what they aren't using at all. Because mm. it mm. teaches you a little bit. Often a younger artist will say, I'm not on Facebook anymore, or an older mm. artist, frankly. I don't use Facebook anymore, so I only use Instagram. And that is frequent. I don't use Twitter. I frequently mm. hear this, and it just speaks to what people want to convey about themselves. I'm okay to share a mm. photo or an image with a little comment but I don't want to talk, uh, meaning Facebook is mm. primarily, I mean, I know they're all kind of the same. You can do the same stuff with each of them, but there is mm-hmm. something about the mentality. And to your point, Sandro, our website's dead. Some people are like, mm-hmm. I haven't updated my website in five years. Just follow me on Instagram. I guess what mm-hmm. I'm doing is a little bit of contemporary and I think historical maybe work in that we're, I'm mm. trying to identify the trends at the time. So if five years from now, everyone, I can tell you the trend is that people are leaving Facebook. Well, no, obviously that's, Instagram. but, but let me say this to you. People, people are, are getting kicked off of Instagram. People, <laughs> that's, that's some of us, trend right now, some <laughs> of us are getting, I think you just <laughs> forgot where you left it in your phone. <laughs> some of us are getting kicked off Instagram. People like you say, are leaving Facebook in droves. Guess who owns Instagram? Facebook. So, like, why are they leaving it in droves? I think some of us have these kind of conflicted ethical reasons for leaving it, but they're going... It's not... Well, I don't even mean ethically. It's just, I think younger generations perceive Facebook as what their mothers and fathers are on. Right. So they don't want on it. Right. And then so they go to things... Instagram will go the same way. It is already, I think. And I think there's also, like, everyone was like, the kids are using TikTok. I don't understand it. That was, like, five months ago. Now I talk to older or artists of my vintage who are older. I don't know why I backtracked on saying older. I'm old. They are saying, yeah, now I'm trying to use TikTok. And you can hear it. You can hear it being like, the subtext is the young people are using this thing, so now I'm trying it. And then five months from now, all the youngs are going to abandon TikTok because all the olds came in. So I think it's just sort of... It's not simply promotion. I, I actually think, like, what are people using? Like, what are you using, artist guest of mine like what do you if anything and why do you choose to use it so that's why i ask yeah. all this to say i, I also like tiktok i don't really know how i don't really want to use it like i don't really want to perform for my phone at yeah, home yeah, i guess yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. but instagram works really well as like as a visual artist as well as like i like to post my paintings mm-hmm. and 
let people know what I'm working on. And uh, it's so when it does die, which it eventually will, if, if something doesn't replace it, that's essentially the same, then I'll probably just stop using yeah, it. And I think that's maybe like you know, social media. I think we're all kind of, I don't really yeah. use social media to be social <laughs> with anyone. <laughs> no, it is all, all, all of it is some form of self promotion, whether you're sharing a thought, uh, even if you're like, there's a thunderstorm coming, you want people to know that you know it. And <laughs> so it's all a kind of like, here, here's a thing I know or think. And so it gets into this. Yeah, it's inherently unhealthy and narcissistic on many levels. And we've known it the whole time. It's like climate change. We know it's bad. We just don't do much about it uh, to fight it. That's all. We should ask. We should ask Sandra, who got kicked off of all social media how he feels is he feeling any better without it or does he miss because i was posting about thunderstorms that i knew were happening and then (laughs) and then i posted after they happened i was like see i told you guys there was gonna be a thunderstorm and that's what they didn't like (laughs) no one likes Uh, an an annoying nostradamus that's true no one likes it sandra is a bit of a reverse nostradamus yeah reverse nostradamus did you guys hear they landed a man on the moon and you're like Sandra. Yeah, we all are aware of this situation. Uh, all right, I want to uh, I want to go to a song if possible uh, from oh. further up island uh, uh, so people can hear something. Uh, and um, I'm going to I, I, ideally because there's two of you, we'll have consensus. Mm. I'm first actually, Andre. I hope you don't mind. I'm going to go to Sandra. I've just made the arbitrary decision to ask Sandro. To make yeah. a choice, if he remembers the song names. Oh, man. Uh, and do you actually, let me say that, first of all. I don't want to put you on the spot. Do you um, remember any songs? I do. I do. I'm pretty sure I remember some names. I mean, I love all the songs on that record, um, but it because it's the most recent one, the letting go of the record is the most freshest activity in my mind with the records. Right. Does that make sense? Like, because, yeah. you know, when you're done with a, a record, you're really done and you kind of put it aside and it, and it, you know, it gets banished in a way, you know, in a kind way, yeah. but you're, you have to, you have to sort of reject it for, you, for a few months you, so that you can start working on other things. Totally. Yes, of yeah. course. So, yeah, um, of course, but I'm going to call up uh, the titles and I'm going to look at them. Okay. And uh, so you're asking me what my favorite is or, or which, which no, one no, I think I, you should play? I, I've chosen to go to you, and Andre can object to this mm. uh, wholeheartedly, but I've chosen to go to you to choose a song that we can play for people. It can be, obviously, you know, I, I usually say pick a song if you can and, and tell us why you chose it. So mm. by default, your choice will tell us something about your relationship with that song. But if you want to explain why you chose it, that would be great. And then Andre, if you want to say anything more about it or dispute the choice, because it's it's a poor choice that Sandro has made among many in his life, then you can <laughs> yeah. do that. Um, so let's begin. Sandro, what, what song are you thinking about right now? Mm, well, all right. I love them all. They're all like pretty special. The Moon is Round and Empty. I think that's a cool song to play because it's so weird on a record of weird songs. It's one of the weirdest ones and uh, mm. has a really mysterious kind of atmosphere to it and uh, has some great lines. Okay. 
in it, and it's That's cool. and it's kind of short. Well, it's not the shortest, but it's kind of no, short. No, it's long. And it, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> long actually. And uh, it put it also pushes the listener's patience in a little in a way because it's kind of like it sits there, and it, you know you just kind of have to sit with it. Hmm. It's cool. I like it. I like it a lot. It's like the. Bo- I like that song. You good with that? It's one of my favorites. On, well, it's one of my favorites on the record. I don't. Mm. It's. I would say it's maybe not a song that represents the record. No, the best, or yeah, maybe no. it is. I don't know. It doesn't. It it's doesn't. Pretty You're right. It's the outlier. It's the outlier in a way. Like it's the. It's yeah. The, that in the, within the context of the record makes it kind of cool. It's the bone machine like of the record basically is what you're saying i think yeah. and yeah. so let me let me just flip this i don't mean to c- cause confusion but andre if you were to pick a song what would you pick i'm just curious because then we can right. have a little well, we can make a decision based on this if that's okay with you Sandy. Now, Who if wins? someone was to ask me like what's your favorite song on the record i might say the moon is round and empty or maybe the, even the instrumental flies oh but mm. but what i would choose for the people would be something like <laughs> I uh, like wild blueberries or nature compels me. Maybe wild blue. It's like the happiest little mm-hmm. song about makes you happy. Well, nature compels me. What, nature compels me gets in my head all the time. Yeah. Um, as well. Catching so that's, me. that's just something I'll say as well. Okay. So now a bunch of us have floated some songs. We have to make a decision. We're only going to play one. Or else we'll play all of the ones that mentioned simultaneously so no one can make out anything. Do you want to just surprise us, Vish? Yes. All right. Yes, I'm not going to throw to anything. I will pick one of the songs that was just alluded to. Either way, it is from the beautiful new album, Further Up Island, by Andre Etier, made in collaboration with Sandra Perry. And we'll go to something from it now, and I will identify it at the end in my outro of this particular episode. This got very meta, and I, I apologize to anyone who feels like they're too inside our heads right now. But I, that's what's going to happen. Uh, Andre, I'm Sandro, always inside my head. You, you're always inside your head. <laughs> Andre, uh, Sandro, I just want to say that I, I love you both very dearly. I thank you for this time on my show. I hope you enjoyed yourselves, and well, I wish you the best you, of luck Vish. in the future. Love you too, Vish. Thanks for having us. Love you. Always great.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, oh, oh. 
So, yes, from the album Further Up Island by Andre Eche with a huge assist from Sandro Perry, his collaborative record, the song you heard there, Nature Compels Me. That's what I chose. Nature Compels Me. I hope you enjoyed that. And thanks again to Andre and Sandro for appearing on this, the 641st episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available absolutely wherever it is you get your podcasts. Now, if you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative. Or you can follow me directly on uh, Twitter and on Instagram at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. And if you're interested in receiving a creative control t-shirt, please message me on Patreon and I will get you one while supplies last. As I'm speaking to you, I'm staring at uh, a package I have here that is due to go out to Chagrin Falls, Ohio. That's not even a joke for you Tragically Hip fans, Tragically Hipper mentioned in this show and they have a song called chagrin falls what do you know i and and i asked the fella have you heard of this song the guy who asked for the shirt and he says oh yeah i know that song so there you go anyway enough about that patreon.com slash creative control to support the show and potentially get a t-shirt wherever you live whether the tragically hip named a song after you or not thanks again to the fine alberta record retailer blackbird music which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca also to Pizza Trocadero the bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario for their in-kind support for this show thanks as always to Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the on the program you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org and finally thank you thank you for listening to this episode with Sandro and Andre or Andre and Sandro depending on your preference I hope you enjoyed it I hope you'll consider subscribing to this podcast and maybe telling your friends about this episode or maybe the show as a whole if you know about it and you feel like it's worth talking about. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you for being you and for being nice, kind to each other, and I, I hope we speak again soon. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.